Welcome back, everyone. I am very excited to introduce to you my next guest. I don't know why I'm talking so weirdly. My next guest. <laughs> my next guest. Hello. Okay, this is him. It's Julian. Hello. Julian. Julian. Um, bonjour. Bonjour. Um, uh, je m'appelle Nadiv. Tu t'appelles comment? Bonjour. Je m'appelle Julien. Julien, uh, you know, I actually lived in Paris. I lived on the Champs-Élysées. You live in Paris. <laughs> Les poissons. So the wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> this is the genius behind the jokes aside intro animation and the logo. And I will do a proper introduction <laughs> coming up right now. Thank you. You know how it starts like boom. And then the, the beat drops more. Oh my muchkale, muchkale. Make a funny. Jokes aside, what is this? Jokes aside, man. Ah, it's good. Jokes aside. My name is Nadiv. Welcome to my podcast. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Jokes Aside. My name is Nadiv Molcho. I am your host. And uh, I'm sitting here across from a very dear friend of mine, someone that is incredibly inspiring to me and I'm sure will be inspiring to my listeners. Uh, we're sitting in my new apartment in LA. This will be the second episode that I'm uh, recording here in LA. And as uh, you know, most people that, that listen to my podcast or have watched my videos or follow me on social media or know me personally, know my personal journey has sort of always um, navigated towards LA. It's something that I've always wanted to do is, is come and move here. And, um, and now I finally, you know, after a few years back in Europe, made the big move uh, in my eyes a third time now. So third time's a charm, I hope. And a big reason why I wanted to continue this podcast is to have interesting conversations with people that I admire, that inspire me, and um, whenever possible, people that are also in the industry, creatives. I could not be sitting across a more creative genius, um, and that is Julien Bocabe. Hey, Nadiv. Welcome. Did I butcher you. your name, or was that okay? No, you're good, man. You actually did that very well. Uh, so how do people call you here when you first moved to LA was it like Julian Bocabelle or what was it <laughs> there was a lot of different things uh Bocabelle Bocabelle you know because yeah. of the Spanish LA thing pe people always assume that it's kind of that's kind of sounds name. nice Bocabelle Bocabelle what else more yeah yeah Bocabelle. but that's not at all <laughs> when, when you go to Starbucks do you say I say Julian yeah they, they usually get it right yeah really Julian yeah they get it right I I, I would never say Bocabelle to some you're gonna, they're gonna Starbucks. implode. They're, like, they're, they're not gonna be able to handle it. So Bob, Bob, <laughs> sure. oh, so Bob. Last week I went to Starbucks, and uh, I tell you, I've gotten Navid a lot. I've gotten Naveen, David. Uh, last week I got Carlos. Uh, yeah, and I. Uh, but to tell you the truth, I and think I took drink, someone else's it? drink. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't order this. There you go. <laughs> uh, so welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Of course, man, my pleasure. And welcome to LA, by the way. And this thank is you. So good to have you here. Oh, it's amazing. It really is. And um, we finally figured out how to get the ventilation system working. It is boiling hot outside. Won't complain about that. For real. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'd like to kind of start at the beginning. Um, first of all, tell the audience where you were born and raised. 
Well, and, uh, yeah. We'll so I was born and raised in France, uh, born in the south of France, and then I moved with my parents to Brittany, to the west side, uh, to be closer to my mom's family and everything. And they, that's where I actually grew up most of my life until I was 17. I was in, um, in the west side and I moved to Paris for my studies after that. So where, what's the school where you study? Because there's um, a large, uh, uh, there's definitely an important chapter in this episode is, is um, the school you went to. So why don't you tell people well, where that is? So before, usually in France, you do um, a general, you know, kind um, of high school type of diploma. And I chose one that was more of a technical one where it was more focused on art and uh, design and uh, visual communication, architecture, you know, that kind of uh, studies. And I did that in the west side, in south of south France, um, west side of, uh, of France. And I, after I graduated, I actually went to Paris with my mom to try to find a school there. And so we went through a lot of the most prestigious school that were design oriented, illustration oriented, that were very famous for that. And the very last school that we visited was uh, Gobelin, um, which ended up the school I, I did, but. I remember this day very, very well. That's when I went to Paris with the idea in my mind that I would be a designer. Like I would draw coffee tables and lamps and cars and, you know, object, everyday objects. And wow. I wanted, I really wanted to do that. And that one school that I, we ended up going to, I could see uh, drawings all over the, the, the walls, everywhere. And people were seemed really happy to be studying there compared to all the other schools that we visited that day. Mm. And they were doodling the same way I was doing this. And the, the, except that their doodles were moving. They were talking. They were acting. They were doing stuff on screen. And I was like, wait, wait. So you do that all day and then you shoot it on the camera and then it moves and it emotes and it... Wow. I want to do this. Screw design. <laughs> I want to do this. That's and amazing. So did you, I, I guess what I should have probably put into my intro um, uh, is, is that you're an animator, that you're an animator. Yes. And we'll get into all that and, and sort of um, uh, where you're at now. And, and um, I kind of wanted to start there because I, it's obviously a prestigious school. And, but, you know, you say doodling and drawing. Is that something that you always did? Is that, did you, did you recognize that talent early on? No, I think it's uh, everybody in school doodles. You know, everyone sure. draws and things. But I think but how maybe good I, were your, yours compared to the <laughs> other doodlers? <laughs> well, you know what? I think that it's I was drew, drawing and doodling more than other mm -hmm. people. And then along the years, people were like, oh, you're this is cool. This is nice. How do you do that? And blah, and blah. And then I was doing it more. And I was drawing for my friends. They were asking me for drawings. And that's how it actually came, uh, wow. something that I was doing so, but Very does often. it run in your family or? Oh, actually, <laughs> that's a funny one. The only person in my family that was actually an artist was my grandfather, my dad's father, wow. who actually was an amazing painter. Really, really good painter. He was in the army. And then when he retired, he was painting some stuff. He actually, he went to Indochina, you know, the Indochina war in Vietnam. And he actually wow. painted there. And I have a bunch of his paintings. At home, which are uh, you fantastic. have uh, wow, some of his paintings at home. It yeah, did, yeah. Would you say that your style? I mean, now it, you know, again, your style is whatever the the movie, I guess, requires. Um, but did you, 
did you have a, do you have a very different style of 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 illustration to your grandfather the, to the things that he painted? Well, I think so. Yeah, because he was very very illustrative, like more of a press comic type of uh, drawings, and then his paintings were very figurative, very naturalistic. Mm -hmm. And I'm more of a cartoon type yeah. of guy, so it, yeah, it was very very different. So a little fun fact: um, when I was in preschool. I, I just remembered this, but this is a true story. I used to draw, I was randomly good at drawing a whale. And I remember I had a dream, it actually was more of a nightmare of me being <laughs> stuck. There's certain dreams that you just remember. I was stuck in a underwater cage, kind of like when you go shark diving. And I remember this big whale with like a robotic body. So it was like a robot body, what about, anyway. And I remember this dream and I would draw it and people in my preschool would always say like, oh, that's so cool. And I would try to sell it for, at the time it was, our currency was shillings and groschen, mm -hmm. which is like the cents, you know, equivalent. So I would try to sell them for like 10, 20 groschen to fellow kids and uh, yeah. I actually put a, bought my first house with that money. Nice. So yeah, and my first Playmobil property. house. Yeah, exactly, Playmobil <laughs> house. Um, Okay, so that's cool. So you, you, it kind of runs in the family. Well, it's kind of, but I mean, this is this is what I wanted to say is that this is only my grandfather. The rest okay. of my family, they're all in the military. Wow. None of them draws. None of them are. I mean, they have an art, artistic sense, of course, but they're not. They don't yeah. not at all into that sense, that that branch. So that's interesting. So yeah. so you okay? So you you saw this school and you thought, wow, walking these hallways. This is what I want to do. How amazing! And what was the process like to get into the school? Did oh, that's, that was very complicated um, because I didn't know anything about animation. I didn't know where to start. I just knew that I had to have some sort of academic uh, artistic background. So I went to a prep school called uh, Ecole de Sèvres, which is not too far from Gobelin, but it's in Paris as well. And I moved there from Brittany um, for one year where I studied um, academic art. Mm -hmm. Basically, you draw plasters and sculptures and you paint like very classical thing you learn about color and light and shadows and you know all of that and I spent countless hours at the Louvre actually wow. sitting on my ass in the cold marble during winter just drawing statues and things but you have to go through that to actually understand you know yeah uh, how to draw things and actually as an animator you need to know how to draw everything in any perspective because you have to go around your character to make it move the way you want it to move. You have to go beyond the I know how to draw phase to actually be able to tell the story through your drawing and that not being a limitation. That's interesting. You know? So do you, so when you think, when you're creating a new, um, yeah, feel free by the way, we have coffee here, water. Um, mm. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> ah, that's me taking a big sip of water. Um, so when you think of a character, when you draw a character, do you think of it in all angles? Like, okay, this is how it looks like from the front, from the back, there's the bottom of his feet or her feet, you know, like, is it, do you really think three dimensional? You just want to know your character so well that if he does a backflip, that's all in your head before you put it to the... Not at first. Uh, at first, when I design a character, it's more about shapes. Mm. What do a certain shape makes me feel? You know, if he's a good guy, very nice and jolly, it will be rounder. If it's a bad guy, it would probably usually go towards more pointy, triangular, mm -hmm. triangular shapes. Triangular, yeah. Um, and then the whole placement in the space where you put your camera basically is what would, would dictate how you would draw your character. Mm -hmm. That's that comes afterwards when you get a story when you get um, actually staging that that would be later but you wouldn't need to know how to draw it yeah 
And would you say that you see things differently? Like, let's say you're sitting at the Louvre and you see the Mona Lisa, you know? Do you see it? <laughs> Have you always been sort of like a cartoonist, so to speak, in your head? Like, do you see it in, in motion? Or can you look at art and just appreciate art for what it is in front of you? Or does your head, because I, I can only speak from my own experiences, I as a, an actor and a, and a, you know what, not even as an actor, as a comedian specifically, I will always see the funny in situations, yeah. you know? Um, don't invite me to a funeral. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> They're like, not the time, Nadeem, not the time. Okay, um, I won't. But it's, <laughs> how is that for, for you? Is that sort of something that, that happens? Well, I think it's, um, well, first of all, don't sit in front of Mona Lisa. You're going to be stamped. Uh, you're going to be trampled. Um, yeah. Walked on. I don't even <laughs> know many people. the English word for this. Too many people. But um, actually, it's, I think it's a very big debate where uh, the modern art, you know, it's more about the feeling that you, what you feel when you watch the art rather than what the art is trying to tell you. And uh, Mona Lisa, I would always be impressed by the technique, like how amazing uh, Da Vinci actually painted this and the uh, to me the second effect would be gazing into her eyes and trying to actually feel what she's feeling what who is she why is she there what what is she going what's going through her mind and what the, how does that make me feel but that would be always the second mm-hmm. read reading interesting so first you say shapes when you think of characters you think of shapes well when i watch a when i look at a painting when i look at a drawing i'm I guess, I mean, I'm feeling the, the, the painting first. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then I'm trying to see how did he do that technically? Right. So scratch whatever I just said. It's, so you're going first from the emotion. From of the course, feeling. of course. And then you're, you're attracted to that. It's, it's, uh, beauty is very subjective. You know, you're attracted to. Uh, yeah. I think it's also very interesting with animation because you. it's when you say, uh, you know, um, the emotion behind a character when you walk through those hallways of your school that you saw these doodles mm. but moving um and i think those two go hand in hand emotion my father would always tell me is a motion right so something that 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 a feeling that occurs an emotion it moves you as they say right that's true um and i think that would make complete sense that you see it first in in what is the feeling behind something mm. um and well, you, animation is Anima means soul. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. So that's where it's from. You give soul to your to your art that's through amazing. that. There is no movies I feel that I mean it's it's you know it's a, it's a difficult task to, to make a movie and then to get an audience to respond mm. also emotionally to the characters, to care for them, to to go on a journey with the protagonist and all that stuff. But yeah. with animation, what I think is so fascinating is that, and I think it's part of the reason why it's so, why these movies are so popular and so high in demand is because the best animation movies really speak to all audiences, right? You have a three-year-old child sitting in there, but the parents that bring the child also get, you know, teary-eyed. Anyone and also, could relate, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, okay, so I want to walk through your school a little bit because what your thesis film, I, I think if I got that information right, was a film called Octopody. That's right. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what that is and, and, um, yeah, and, then, and then let me please show off about you. Okay. <laughs> all right. So first of all, yeah, tell them what, what that task so, was and what the film is. So the school is in three years and at the end of the third year, they ask you to do a graduation short. 
to show off your showcase your talents, basically what you've learned for three years, and um, also uh, to act as a business card for professionals to hire you afterwards. So at the beginning of the third year, we were uh, we made a team, myself and five others, to direct a little short that would be no more than two minutes and a half. And we decided to go for something that nobody at the time has ever seen so that it could be a technical challenge for us. So we decided to animate in CG uh, octopuses or octopi, uh, two, wow. uh, two octopi. So eight arms each in CG. And at the time in 2007, that's never been done before. And we decided to go through Santorini and with swimming pools and water effects and everything. And for students, it was just impossible. It was insane. So, so the school told us, you cannot do that. You need to cut everything. You need two octopus. No, just do one. How, no how, water how, much, time, how much time did you have? First of all, what's crazy to me, and by the way, for everyone listening, do yourselves a favor after this episode, <laughs> go on YouTube and just put in the search bar Octopotty with a K. Okay, Octopotty animation short film. It, uh, I don't even know how many millions of views it has, but it is phenomenal. It is so beautifully crafted and well done. And what's funny is that I knew this film long before I knew you. Really? And, oh yeah, long before I knew you. Actually, it, like a lot of the people that, whenever I sort of introduce you or talk, to, uh, talk about you, um, they've already seen it. It really, I think, resonated with a lot of people and sort of went viral at the time. But it's, for me, it's just unbelievable to think that you only learned this from someone that liked to doodle and to go to school for only three years to then create this masterpiece that is Octopody. How, I mean, well, how much did you learn in those three years? It's insane. Well, honestly, uh, we were six in the team and I was doing design and storyboard and, and animation where others would do maybe some modeling and some rigging and some lighting. And, you know, everyone has their specificities and, and, and specialties. So I'm not a very good rigger. I'm a poor modeler, but I'm good animator, I think. And I think that worked out uh, in this movie. And and we all, it, it was a big team effort. It's just. Yeah, I think uh, it's safe to say that good is an understatement considering the movie went on to getting an Academy Award nomination, nominated for your first Oscar. How old were you at the time? Did, yeah. Um, that the nomination was in 2009, so I was uh, 24. Amazing! Wow, that's incredible. What was that? I mean, was that the? I guess it's cr kind of crazy to say that that would have been a goal, right? I mean, well, you just do a, a task to, to create your thesis film to well, get a good it's grade. Definitely, it's definitely not something we were expecting when we were doing the movie, especially with the school telling us you're never gonna finish it. This is not gonna happen. Wow. And uh, it was a big, big surprise. Basically what we did, and I think that you can see this in the movie, is we were just having fun. We did yeah. the movie we wanted to do and we were not expecting to win any festivals or any awards or anything. We just wanted to have fun and do something that would make us laugh, you know? And it worked out. I mean, people obviously uh, liked it. It's so. incredible. How did the... Did, did that ever happen it, at your school? No, no, that was the first time. That was the first time that a movie would go from that school would go so far. Because usually, I mean, that school is very well known for these types of movies mm -hmm. because every year students make a short film, but they would be broadcast at the Annecy Festival, which is the international animation festival every year. So they would show their work over there. 
but it was in France and it's very local, European and everything. And it's the very first time that a movie like Octopody actually won the best prize at Seagraph, which is a huge international um, CG festival. And then the Academy Award, that was just the maximum, like the biggest thing you could <laughs> think of. And that's the first time that happened. So Wow. So how it was, so you were 24, the movie, you graduated, the movie got nominated for an Oscar. How did that change your life the months or, or years after? What, what was the, the well, process like? Like what, what, what was the big change? What happened after that? Basically? So, okay. So before we got nominated to the Academy Award, the movie went to many, many festivals all mm -hmm. around the world. And we won a ton of things um, everywhere. And we were already known, like I say we, me and the team, mm -hmm. we were already known um, through that movie everywhere in the world. But what actually happened is that when we graduated, <clears throat> sorry, at the graduation ceremony, the jury, there was a recruiter from DreamWorks there in the jury. And that's when, after the viewing and everything, the screening, they came to me and they were like, do you want to work for DreamWorks? You want to work with us? And so I signed, not on the spot, but almost. <laughs> and so that was... That was a year and a half before the Academy Award nomination. Wow. So I was already doing what I had dreamt of doing all my life. And the movie kept keeping uh, doing his life, you know, going to festival and festival. So my life did not change so much after the Academy Award nomination. All, the only thing I, I did, I mean, I got the experience of following this movie everywhere. And that was amazing. That, that was life changing for sure. It's incredible. And did you, so you signed uh, with DreamWorks and they sort of, they recruited you. Um, is that something that you sort of always had, you know, did you have certain goals while you were at the school where you're like, I, you know, when I finish this, my goal is to work for DreamWorks or of my course. goal is, was that sort of in the horizon for you? Is that something that was on your, oh yeah, totally. Your vision um, board. This was working for DreamWorks was the one goal that I had, uh, I was, I went to this school because DreamWorks would recruit from that school. And it was a few steps, you know, like I need to get to Goblin and then I need to talk to DreamWorks people and maybe something will happen. And uh, they came talk to me first. So it's worked out great, but the, the main goal was to go to DreamWorks. Yes. Yeah. So it was not to go to Disney or Pixar. It was, it was DreamWorks. Yeah, uh, I felt more uh, more affinity with the DreamWorks style, uh, whether it's 2D or CG. You know, it's just uh, it, it spoke to me a little better than Pixar did or Disney did. So then you 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 know you you started working for DreamWorks. What did that look like? You moved to LA. Yes. Well, so DreamWorks hired me to actually set up their satellite studio in India. So before going there and doing all that for the studio. We went to LA for three months and then uh, where we trained on the Kung Fu Panda um, franchise. And then we moved to San Francisco where they had a studio there. They don't have it anymore, unfortunately, but they had a studio there where they did all the Madagascar movies. So we trained with the team on the Mad Madagascar 2. That's my first movie. That's my first credit. Such a um, great movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love that franchise. So, so funny. 
and the cartooniness and everything that was that was awesome and we stayed in san francisco for seven months and once that was done we moved to bangalore in the south of india how long would you how long did they tell you to stay in india for and build it was a couple of years a little under two years basically it was it was not a mission to with a date it was more we'll see where we're at and we'll see um what we can do with you when after that but basically we always told dreamworks that i mean i always told dreamworks i wanted to come back to glendale to to california to la to work in the one studio they have there that's what i wanted the whole time so i took the india gig for the experience there so i can be ready to come back to la and be the best i can be i was gonna say because here you are you graduate from this school you make this incredible short film it gets nominated for an oscar you start working for dreamworks and three months later they say or after san francisco they say small detour you need to go to india for two years did you see that as sort of a long term it, it, did, did that sort of take you off track or you said to yourself i need to do this in order to show my Actually, my loyalty to them they, or, they hired me with the india thing already on the contract was like, it like really small was, writing? No, no, no. It was the biggest thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, at the beginning, we were only supposed to be in LA for two months. And then oh. they were like, ah, the studio is not ready, so let's keep them at DreamWorks and let's have them work on the movies and they will train more. And then when the studio in India is ready to welcome everyone, then... So you, it really go. started with you and this team, and, and it, does yes. it still exist? Is it still running in India? Uh, no, they actually they had to close the studio... Um, Three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, in okay. India. Yeah, it's not there anymore. But they, when it was working, it was it did so much amazing work. It, they, these guys, the team over there was amazing. They really were the best uh, that we had, and some of them we actually brought back to Glendale when the studio closed because there you can't leave those talents. Like this is insane. India is so it's booming. It's, it's, there's so many talents there. That's amazing. And yeah. And so then you you move back to LA. Yep. And then this is where you get to be to become an animator for DreamWorks. That's right. What is the first film that they had you work on there? It was How to Train Your Dragon. That what was the the first movie. Yeah, actually, when I was in India, um, I remember talking to. So in India, I was supervising the animation for the consumer product. Uh, things for DreamWorks. Basically mm-hmm. all the commercials and all the little short films, like uh, all of the specials and things like that. And I was talking to Simon Otto, who was the, is a Swiss, by the way. Okay. Uh, very, very cool guy. Uh, he was the head of animation on How to Train a Dragon. And five years before that, he's the one that welcomed me at DreamWorks when I was just with my backpack and my demo reel in my hand. And I'm like, can I please come work here? And so we kept in touch and he needed someone to join the team on Dragons and he helped me come back to DreamWorks, to Glendale. So and it's not a so it's not a guarantee even after India, it was never did you feel like, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs in in, in this industry? Did you at the time constantly feel like this could end at any moment? Of, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in India, we did not know if we would ever go back to Glendale. It remember that it was 2007. The crisis, the economic crisis was starting starting in the US. People were losing their jobs and everything. And we were stuck in India. Like, can we ever go back? Can we do, is the industry strong enough to actually carry us back 
economically to there? Do we can we do that? So we had no idea, and I got very lucky to be able to be to come back in these conditions. Yeah, and and then you so you started working on How to Train Your Dragon, which is mm -hmm. you know amazing movie. I love this movie. Incredible movie. What was your what was your job on that movie? On that movie, so I joined the team when it was uh, crunch time. So basically, we needed hands on decks. Uh, hands on decks. We would we needed everyone to be on board and and do as much um, uh, animate as much shots and as much footage. So were you like on a possible. time crunch and they yes. said, okay, let's recruit all, it's, let's get all of our. Exactly. I think hands on deck makes sense. Hands on deck, yeah, but deck one deck, all right. hands on deck. <laughs> so anyway, and that's D E C K, not D, D I C K. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Nadiv. Yes, yes. Just says we're on the same page. Okay. Okay. Don't ever bring me to a funeral. Okay. That's right. <laughs> Got it. And so yes, everyone had to to work like crazy. And what I did there was um, a bunch of shots here and there. I was helping the team pretty much um, finishing the movie. And I did one chunk of shot that I'm actually very happy about is when it's at the very end when uh, Toothless, uh, sorry, Hiccup rides Toothless, and the father is like, don't. Do this! Don't don't go there! And they fly off to fight the big giant um, um, dragon. What's mm -hmm. his name? I don't remember. But you know that that, that yeah. end part. I was really happy to to be able to do that. It's uh, it wow, could, so you worked on that sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was that was very cool. It was. It ended up in the trailer and everything. I was so freaking happy about. That's it. so. It's so cool to to hear because me as an actor, you know, I I I, I play these roles that. It's never, I never feel safe, right? Mm -hmm. Just like you, you felt like, will I be able to go back to Glendale to work at the, you know, the, the DreamWorks headquarters or whatever. And for me as an actor, I sometimes play these roles where before I had the experience being, you know, longer in a series or a movie, mm. it was always a risk. Like, will they cut me out? Will I be in the movie in the end? You know, will I see myself? And this, um, the, the, such moment of pride was when my little moment made it into the trailer. It was like, yes, I'm right? in the trailer. I think that means I'm in the movie. Um, but so that must have been a very special feeling for you to see that your sequence made it into the Yeah, yeah. Well, the especially coming back after everything that happened there, India and the, the uncertainty of coming back, working on this movie with, I mean, the director was, is Chris Sanders. The guy directed Lilo and Stitch. It's oh. like... It, it, just you know, you, this is fucking magical. You have this team of people that you've wanted to work all your life with. So talented, so, so talented. And you get a chance to get a small part in this and they put your work in, in the fucking trailer. It's, it's, it's insane. Amazing. So yeah, I was super happy. Really, really happy. So uh, How to Train Your Dragon and then you, what was the second? Well, the second? Yeah, what was the second one? The second movie was Megamind. Megamind was... With Will Ferrell. With Will Ferrell, Tina Fey. Yes, yes. what a comedy cast. Such, okay, so this movie was... It, it was a very different take uh, visually than what DreamWorks does usually. And, uh, it's, and not everyone agrees with the visual, but the story, the humor. I mean, this is a Saturday Night Live type of humor. It's so good. I love this movie. I think it's a really, really smart movie. I love that movie, by the and way. And yeah. it was uh, my second time working with uh, Tom McGrath, who, which is the he's a director of the Madagascar series. That's right. The director of Megamind. He directed then Boss Baby and Boss Baby 2, which I, I animated on as well. And um, yeah, that was actually very, very cool to, to see these people again Englandale, where I actually worked with them in Madagascar two years before wow. when I was training. Um, so it was actually 
right after the crunch of how to train your dragon, you get back into some uh, environment that you know. You know, you train with these people. Then seeing you open your first shot inside Dreamwork, like they, it's this is a this was very very so. And and you say like you know from Madagascar to that, it's, it was really a few years in between, and yeah. that's one of the most surprising. Even though it shouldn't be, it, it makes sense. But for me, what was surprising um, when you were so generous, and now you've taken me on a few sort of tours around the DreamWorks headquarters um, in LA, and basically telling me how long it takes for an animation movie to come to life, right? Mm -hmm. And that's before just sort of, I don't know how long it takes from when an idea sparks, but essentially more or less it takes around five years, correct? Pretty much, yeah. I think the, the whole production is around five years. If, if you count the uh, writing and the, oh, I got an idea, maybe why we don't do this, and then it goes into development and it comes out and comes back in, that can take 10 years. Like, wow. There are movies that takes forever. But usually it's five years, yes. And without, you know, getting into detail of what that project was, but what was interesting when I walked the halls of DreamWorks with you is that you saw these incredible storyboards and almost pre-animations mm -hmm. of movies that were sort of quarter or even half financed that then ultimately did not make yes. the, the final transition, right, into, into becoming a... a a, a movie. So yeah. does that happen frequently where... It, it's not very frequent, but I have to admit that there was a period of time because uh, DreamWorks got bought by NBC, mm -hmm. Universal Comcast. And when the team from NBC came, they actually canceled a few projects that were uh, in development because they did not see the potential or they wanted to do something else. And... Were some of those projects that you were working on at the time or... Actually, not when Comcast did that, but one before Comcast bought DreamWorks, there was one movie called Me and My Shadow. Mm. If anybody in animation listens to this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. Me and My Shadow was fully animated, for 45% animated. 45%. So it means that layout before that was maybe 80% done. Storyboard was com almost completed. You know, it, everything. It, the thing was on rails. It was almost being finished, and they decided to cancel it. And it was one of the most creative projects I got to work on. And this was the saddest mm. moment of my career when they decided to to cancel it, to pull the plug. And this it, is actually the one I believe for the one I was referring to now with the storyboards on the wall. I think so. Yes, I think so. It was it was a mix of CG and two D. It was, I think that concept was, um, you can see it in Soul, you know, that Pixar yes, movie yeah. where he goes to the, the, the soul world, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the pre-birth world where some of the characters are in 2D, like there are wires, Yeah, 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 yeah you yeah. know, and they can move That's right. two-dimensionally like this. And it was kind of a world like this, but it was hand animated. At DreamWorks, it was hand animated and it was sh the shadow world. When the shadows are sleeping, pretty much when there is when it's mm. nighttime in the world, when all the lights are off, where do the shadow goes? The the shadows go. They go to the shadow world and they have their own life down there. And it's it was so two D animated, and then the rest of the world was CG animated. 
And that was absolutely fantastic. And it looked amazing. And Do you think that there's a chance that that will ever... That's never going to come back. Yeah. That's never... And we're talking back. big bucks. I mean, oh, uh, forget dude, they, the emotional they, side of things. I, I mean, that's... They, lost, they, they probably lost 30 or $40 million. Yeah. Um, that's a big check to write off. Yeah. And those, you know, I, I, I guess um, most people don't know this, but that are at least that aren't in the film world is that animation movies cost, you know, a, a fortune. I mean, there is like, uh, up well, to what, 90, a hundred million more. That's right. Yes. Usually they cost between, uh, you're absolutely right. Between 90 and a hundred million dollars to mm. make. And then out of that, you add the exact same amount around 90 or a hundred more in marketing. Wow. To sell it to people, to broadcast it everywhere. So really we're looking, we're, we're, we're aiming towards like three, 400 million box office to even, a, a minimum a minimum minimum yeah to actually get some some benefits wow that's that's just incredible and and you know and you notice when you finish watching an animation movie how many hundreds maybe thousands i don't know of people that work on a movie like that yeah how does it feel for you when you sit there and you see all these names right there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of names and you're one of the, you know, if I may speak on <laughs> my, your behalf, top, top animators. In, my my uh, feeling is like, I don't know these people. <laughs> <laughs> I always did wonder, like if, you know, my, one of my, my best friend, she works for Amazon. And I always wonder, like, if she would ever meet Jeff Bezos, I, I asked her, I'm like, would you? And she's like, no, he would definitely not know. <laughs> well, you could tell him you work for me. He'd be like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. good, to, good to meet you. No, no, it's, it's, very, it's very cool to actually see your name amongst your friends uh, up there and you the feeling that you get when you finish a movie is how the experience made you feel you mm. know and when you had a great time it's really cool to see your name amongst your friends on screen and yeah you know you know every one of them and you know what they've done and and the and what you went through together and that that's a feeling you know it's it's always a good always a good feeling and it's so you know just I, we're, we're, we're friends and, and when, when you gave me the tour of DreamWorks the first time, it was really so moving to see that you really are living your, it's cheesy to say, but your dream That's true. at DreamWorks yeah. because not only is the environment so magical, but anyone that is in love with film and storytelling, I mean, to imagine that this is a company that was founded at the time by none other than Steven Spielberg. Right, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and who was the third? David Geffen. David Geffen. Um, and then you know you mentioned the NBC Comcast bought it. That was a huge, one of the biggest you know at the time purchases. Right, it was like a four billion dollar, four and a half billion, four right? and a half billion dollar mm -hmm. buy. And then to, but the beauty behind it is that that it kept the magic. Right, there's always that risk. If a, yeah, I, I think like when Apple bought um, Pixar, it, no, no, sorry, when Disney bought Pixar, right, Disney. Yeah, I think when Disney, that's right. Bob Iger was the CEO of Disney and mm -hmm. he made a decision um, to buy Pixar. And that was, I think, a fear for Steve Jobs to sell it because he didn't want that magical world to be sort of like disrupted or, or changed. And like you said, one of the main reasons why you wanted to work for DreamWorks is because you resonated with their style, with their with their vision, their, their, their storytelling, you know. And, and yeah, here you are working for none other than, than Steven Spielberg's company, you know? And that was for me so, and, and I'm so proud to, that's why I love DreamWorks so much because you really did keep that spirit. And um, even after the, the, the selling of the NBC buying it. And when you gave me that tour, it just really 
Because I, I think when you work on set as an actor or a crew member on a nor like a narrative feature, live action feature, other than a beautiful emotional moment, perhaps that you see an actor do or a big explosion or something cool. Most of the time it's kind of, it, it, it's, it's not glamorous at all. It's really just kind of boring and you have to be really, I mean, not for me, but when I bring like visitors, you know, it's very quiet, a lot of waiting around, a lot of technical things. And then there's, you know, a few minutes where you, the actors do their job and the director, and then you go back into the waiting areas. And, but for animation, at least visiting you on your set, so to say, it really was a dream. Like it, it, it was everything that I've always fallen in love with, with, with movies. It was the, the, I remember you giving me a tour and it was like a beautiful little river that they created. And, and you, you told me that it was because the highway was close by and yeah. to sort of drown out some of the noise. That was, what was the first animation movie from DreamWorks that was inspired Oh, that was by? The, um, the Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt. So Actually, that was the yeah, river yeah. Nile, right? The that Nile. They and then they, it would go to the, down to the lagoon that's surrounded by papyr papyrus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Papyrus. Yeah. And, like uh, papyrus, the font? Papyrus. Okay. The, the font, yeah. <laughs> surrounded by the font. What? The font of Avatar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which it is, by the way. Ryan, if you're listening. Yeah, if you're listening. <laughs> But the, yeah, exactly. That was a reference to a Saturday Night Live skit. Very well done, Julian. Right. Um, and, and for me, this was so magical to see because it's, you know, you have the big fountain, you have the movie posters, you have all these Academy Awards sort of in these, um, uh, in the lobby and all over the place. I remember you giving me a tour and there was, a, you know, Oscar um, legend Hans Zimmer, the composer, uh, just sitting and, and he was having lunch outside and brainstorming with the director. And and for me, I just seeing you and this huge smile across your face, walking to your amazing office, which was designed by you. Every cubicle sort of at DreamWorks has its own unique um, design where some people had like a teepee sort of like a vibe with lights and and made out of straw and all that mm. stuff. And, and it was really like, I've never been in a more creative environment. And that to me is what this industry is about. You can, you can understand why these movies make so much money and why they make so many people happy because you guys are just like live. I don't know. Your, your work environment is like, it's, it's a dream in and of itself. You're in this dream world bubble. Yeah. I think you can see it on screen when the, the crew is having um, a good time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's that's what they try to do with this environment is to make you feel at home as much as possible. And of course, they don't want you to leave. They want you to work as much as you can. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Bastards. But they, <laughs> it's it's um, it's not something you think about. It's something that you you actually enjoy very much. I every day I enjoy going to work. Mm -hmm. I want to be there. I want to create there. I feel good there. And you know that feeling where I told you when I came to that school for the first time, I loved everything I was seeing. Going up the stairs to that department, animation department in the school, there was something in the air. And in that place, in the atmosphere that I, I felt at home, it felt right. Walking through those halls, you know, and getting into the classrooms and speaking to the people, it felt right. And that feeling I got at DreamWorks, the exact same feeling. This is also why I was saying I'm, I wasn't attracted by Disney or Pixar because I did not get a feeling when I visited those places. It was very, very different. The vibe was different. The, the I don't know, the feng shui of the place was very mm -hmm. different. There was something that did not resonate with me. And what happened at DreamWorks is that. 
And to this day, after 13 years now, I, I still feel that every day. I have the big smile on my face when I go across the arches that says DreamWorks Studios, you know, every morning with my car. And it's... Uh, it's incredible. Yeah, this is still good. I mean, I'm not saying that it's all pink every day. Obviously, there was some days where I hated my job and I wanted to stop and quit and do something else, you know. Uh, but... 95% of the time, this is a, this is, I would not do anything else. How do you feel? And I, I think that that's really beautifully said that also you said that DreamWorks just, you resonated with DreamWorks. And I think that, you know, I'm sure that there's, every animation studio has a different unique style, so to say. And I think that certain people are just made for, it's just like, a, it's like, it's like matching, right? It's like, uh, some, certain people will be better suited for, let's say, one of the Pixar sort of animation mm -hmm. studio, or, or, or I don't know, one of the other ones, or even Seth Rogen's Sausage Party, you know? <laughs> it's like, I, I think that, that, that for you, you found, and I can, I can say this also as a friend, you know, we talk a lot off, um, off the record. And yeah, you're right, you have many challenges, but DreamWorks, you sort of found your home there. And I think that that's really important for the audience also to hear that as much as it's, so much of it is 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 um is fun and bubbly and pink that there's a lot of extremely challenging times i've 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 been with you in moments where you were really uh, like about to i don't know like 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 uh, explode almost you know because i for for me it was so magical to see but i also why don't we talk a little bit about the challenges like your when when you worked on kung fu panda you mm -hmm. were you know you've created many sequences for this film that so many of us have seen at home and um and, but when I, when I, when I saw you at work, I was so surprised to see, oh, okay. So there's a department that works on just the weather. Let's say it's windy or snowing in a scene. So how would Poe from Kung Fu Panda, how would his fur sort of uh, move in the wind and how would, you know, and, and some people work on just the eyes and mm -hmm. whatnot. So how, is that challenging for you? Do you have like one thing that you work on for months and months and months I'm sure because how many seconds or minutes do you work on in a week, would you say? Well, usually we try to do four to five seconds approved of every week. Four to five seconds. But even that week. even that is a lot. Usually we do two or three. So to imagine yeah. how much you have to work on the same sequence to get two seconds mm -hmm. out per week. Yeah. And you work many hours every day. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I love doing this. But uh, but what you were saying about the other departments is that we I'm not only doing my little thing on my own. Uh, yes, I do the animation. I'm I'm moving the character on screen, and I'm responsible for the performance and the way the story is told from scene to scene. And people work on top of that, you know, for the clothing and the weather and everything else. But we also work with them because. Sometimes there's a scene where the character is not moving at all. And the feeling of the scene is going to be the wind in the hair. It's going to be the flicker of that candle that's next to the character that is going to make shadows move on its face. And that's all you need to set the mood. Mm. I, as an animator, don't need to add anything more. I don't need to overact with the character to actually make you feel what he's supposed to be feeling during that time in the story. So I leave that to the other department and that's how we collaborate together. But what's crazy is that you're, you know, when, when you do a, uh, a live action movie, you have the actors, right? They're acting, that's their job. Hmm. You are 
you're, you're ma- I mean, I don't even know how else to describe it. Like these movies go on to win Oscars. Like you make this, these characters act. You know what I mean? Like you're their acting instructor. You're their acting teacher. How do you, do you work with, I know that you sometimes, I remember you showing me, you, bring, you brought me into a room where you had props, like a sword, a shield, or whatever, mm-hmm. helmet, some cool things. Yeah, yeah. And you sometimes have actors that will reenact or, or act out scenes that you animators sort of observe, take notes, well, we, and draw inspiration from for the characters. I think, I think in the story, in the history of DreamWorks, this might have happened five times the hiring okay. actors to do the things. We hire people when there is a big choreography, like dance, hmm. usually, or it's something very, very specific. Like we had a Kung Fu teacher for some of the Kung Fu Panda stuff, but mm-hmm. one of the supervising animator in Kung Fu Panda was actually designing the choreography uh, for the, the Kung Fu fight sequences. Yeah. But usually what we do is we film ourselves. We have the voices that are amazing. We have amazing voice, voice actors and we follow that rhythm and we try to put ourselves in the skin of these characters by and we film ourselves so you actually have the actors record their voices before before. the animation starts that's right yes okay so for example with kung fu panda you have you're getting files for (laughs) wave files from jack black angelina jolie that's right yeah and I, i would i would act as angelina jolie and i would act as jack black in the same Time. That's amazing. That, yeah, that would be crazy. But we film ourselves so that we can pick on all the little acting details that we would not think of. All the little things that we don't think about, the way the hand move or the way your your head would tilt one side or the, ne- the other. The thing you don't think about, but you do naturally. And we try to put that in our character as much as possible. And that so that people can relate. There's the little mm. tiny details like this that people hang on to and that make them believable. Do you have the actor's physical um, appearance uh, affect the way that you draw the characters or animate rather the characters? So like Jack Black, do you try to incorporate his actual physicality and his... his... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The way actually, the way Jack Black moves is the way Poe moves. Wow. Yeah, when he... Whenever they record the voices, we have a few cameras on them at all times. So we see that, that footage as well. And we can see how they actually acted out in front of a microphone. And sometimes they would not, some actors would not move their body at all and would just speak. But some others would be very um, moving a lot everywhere. Very animated. Very animated. I, I, I did not dare say it, you're right. Very animated already. Like uh, Jeff Goldblum, for example. Oh, he's great. He has so many he, in what, what, what mannerisms. What he? He's in uh, Buzz Baby too. So, yes. Yeah, so you work, you're obviously, you know, one of the lead animators um, or supervising animators at uh, for Boss Baby, right? You worked on Boss Baby 1, now you worked on Boss Baby 2. Um, that, that must have been an amazing feeling because I know that that really did so well globally and people really resonated with Boss Baby. Um, I, I, by the way, sitting here and just mentioning these movies, I mean, it's just incredible. We're talking about how to train your dragon. We're talking about Kung Fu Panda. I mean, these are movies that, uh, I mean, are just, um, everyone will know them. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. And you're, um, you're, you're one of the animators behind these movies. I mean, it's really, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm just like trying to, it, it, every, and I've known you for many years now, but every time mm-hmm. I see you, it just baffles me and it's not that I, I wouldn't expect anything less of you. You're so talented, but it's crazy. Like you bring these movies to life. You are a part of why these movies exist and are in 
millions of people's homes. It's, it must be, I don't even know what that feeling is like. That must be overwhelming almost to be well, someone. I'm very, I'm, I know that I'm very fortunate to be doing what I do. Very, very fortunate. Like there's so many people that, um, that I see every day contacting me, you know, LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever. And they all want to know how can I get to DreamWorks? Can you look at my reel? Can you give me advice and things? And, and this is a lot of them that are very, very talented, struggle a lot mm. and to, to get into the industry. And I know I'm very, very fortunate. So I, I, so, I try to remind myself that what I do and what I'm living, it's not real. It's, it's insane. Is that what helps you get through the tough days? Because I know we, of course, were, yes. were speaking about all the beautiful things about DreamWorks, but is that sort of, do you sometimes have to remind yourself of that when you do have days or weeks or months where Absolutely. it really is a, um, a challenge? Absolutely. Hard. You have to keep your, your foot on the ground. But I, I think what actually made me realize how fortunate I was, was to, so in 2017, I quit DreamWorks. I gave my two weeks and that was the hardest thing I done because I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I quit DreamWorks to go work in Montreal, Canada, to be the head of animation on the Playmobil movie. And, and for those that don't know, head of animation is yes. basically it's right. It's, it's, it's lead animator or supervising animator. Then it's head of animation. And the only step above that is director of the Pretty movie. Pretty much. Basically I was responsible for the animation crew and I uh, was the first bridge um, first connection with the director I was responsible for everything that you see moving on screen and um, so that's a big that's still a big jump up from 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 what I was doing at DreamWorks for yeah. sure yeah this is also why I went there but going there in very different condition from DreamWorks I was working in a building in the downtown Montreal there was it was dark it was carpet everywhere it was super and what, weird. would you mind sharing what that movie was or what the company or the playmobil movie this was the playmobil movie that's right yeah yes the the studio was a brand new studio uh, everything was to be built from ground up and the the crew was really new as well lots of green animators lots of training to do and i was not expecting that i was very I was not disappointed, but I was taken by surprise by how much work we had to actually do to get to the standard we wanted on this movie. And working, I, I think I, I did work between 12 and 15 hours every day and Saturdays um, for two years to get the result we wanted. And the movie looks amazing. You should watch it. I'm very proud of what we've done. But that made me realize how lucky I was being at DreamWorks and made me mad about myself by, uh, when I was complaining. At DreamWorks, I was complaining about how shitty these conditions are and what's going on, what are we doing? These directors doesn't know what he's doing. Now I know. Now I know that we have the best crews. We have the best production people. We have the directors that we have are amazing. And the talent I'm surrounded with right now, that, that humbles me every single freaking day. So no, no regret sort of going to Montreal because now... Absolutely not. I would do it again in a heartbeat because I learned so much, so, so much uh, about the craft, what I do, and movie making and directing and all of that, But which made me actually do my job now much better. But 
it was tough. It was a it was a tough one. Yeah, because here you are, you know, you're climbing up the hierarchy ladder, basically of of, of animation. You're getting to the number two position, <laughs> essentially, and but that's a very daring move because who knows? Just like when you were in India, you were living day to day, and who knows if they would take you back, right? That's right. Now, was your goal to go back to DreamWorks with the intent to become head of animation there? Or what was your what was your approach? Were you were you confident that they would take you back, or were you like this is a risk? No, so that's the thing. Uh, it was a um, big risk. I had no idea they would take me back. I wanted to, but I knocked on every door uh, when I came back. I the one thing I knew is that I did not want to work for that studio in Montreal ever mm-hmm. again. The movie is great. The the crew was amazing. The animators were all really fantastic. The the production crew were great. Just the the owners of the company, I don't want to work with these people ever again. Uh, We had big differences and that did not work out, but that's why I left Mm -hmm. after Playmobil. But coming back to LA was luck again. Um, I I don't know who I have to thank, uh, my good star or whatever, and Mm -hmm. knocking on wood. Yeah, but it's um, I guardian angel. Maybe yeah. But how does I, because actually, you'd think that you know everyone at, at DreamWorks, right? Yes, but you'd think if that, they don't need anyone, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I left. I quit two years before, and at that time, it was not like they were hiring a bunch of animators. You know, it was just luck that I got back. And the other factor was that I knew the crew there. They knew me from before. And when the crew was asked, should we hire Julian again? Everyone was like, sure, why? he's great. Let's bring him back. You know, he knows the system. He knows everyone. He knows all the directors. He knows how things work. Like, yeah. He can hit the ground running, you know, if we need animation. That's that's great. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, that was, uh, I was visiting friends on campus and I sent a text message to the recruiter and it's like, hey, I'm on campus today. I'm visiting so-and-so and do you want to get coffee? Sure, let's have coffee. And when we were talking, like, oh, we might have an opening in a month. Wow. And I was just, okay, sign me up. <laughs> that that's that, that's kind of how it, it happened. But they, I'm sure they also valued the, the experience that I had in Montreal, which I didn't have before. I was going to say, that was a because big plus. that's a big plus because you're sure. getting you back again with an, a major, I mean, a uh, huge added experience mm-hmm. of being head of animation yes. for Playmobil. Um, so then you, you, you get, you know, you come back to DreamWorks where you are right now mm-hmm. and boss baby franchise, huge success, as we all know. Um, and why don't you tell everyone what you're working on now? What is the latest, what is the newest adventure in Julien's so, animation? So we finished, uh, boss baby two at the end of last year. And now, so I've been supervising all the commercials that go there. So everything you see on Instagram, everything you see, YouTube, all the commercials, mm-hmm. that's, I supervise that. And now I'm working on Puss in Boots 2. For all of you boys and girls out there that have seen Puss in Boots 1 and have tried to replicate these adorable <laughs> cat eyes, googly puss in boots cat eyes to try to get out of trouble in your relationships. You can thank Julien because he was one of the masterminds behind this famous look. Um, so this is, <laughs> you should, by the way, put that in your whatever dating app bio. Really? Yeah, a, probably. A picture of puss in boots? I think so. I think I do have the, the video reference that I shot for that. 
Wow. That I, you could, I filmed myself uh, doing that. It's <laughs> amazing. So nobody you are, are the original eyes behind Nobody you. will see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you're working on Puss in Boots too. Yes. That's incredible. Is the original cast back? Of course, yes. We have uh, Antonio Banderas, we have Salma Hayek, everyone's back to, uh, to the game and more because we have brand new characters. We have, I cannot say anything. Yes, but, of course. Um, we okay. have a lot of good sh stuff coming. Can you say uh, how how far along the process you are? Are you a few years before we are release? Or? So the movie has been in development for four years now. And we just started animation again. And we will be done with animation in a year or so. Okay, that's great. So end of 2022, animation would be done. So I, I would plan on a release maybe spring 23. Uh, spring 23, and you're now back at the studios or is it a more home office? Um, I can do both. Um, I'm trying to be at the office mm, every day now. I'm telling you guys, it's a miracle that these movies even get released because one thing I forgot to mention when I went there and, and was going on this tour of DreamWorks, I mean, I'm talking, there is a secret bar, which is like you pull out a book from a bookshelf and like a, there's one of these fake libraries, a uh -huh. magical mystical door opens with like fog and there's like Harry Potter vibes going on. And you have, I mean, I remember going there with you and there's like beer on tap or something like this. There was, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, let's do this. People bring in their own drinks. We can, this is like a secret bar where people go to get recreative again, get spark that creative imagination again. What were you saying? You were like, Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick were here yeah, yesterday. True, yeah. I mean, just incredible. The fact that these movies are even out, I'm like, it's like a big playground over there, <laughs> an organized playground. Nobody works. Nobody works. Nobody People works. just start hiding. I'm like, where is everyone? They're all at the bar, mm -hmm. the hidden bar. I think working at DreamWorks is a very humbling experience in the sense that everyone there is more talented than the next. It's mm. honestly, it, I've never seen more talented bunch of people um, mm. in the same room. It's so, so amazing to be there, to witness that. And they, I've lost my thread of thought, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a... Uh, you thinking about that date at the Oscars? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, um, but that is a humbling experience. It because, is a humbling experience. And I didn't mean to sort of, yeah, you, you found your train of thought. Well, basically I was saying that, that at DreamWorks compared to Disney or Pixar, yeah. okay, Disney movies, everyone watches them. They make mm -hmm. billions of dollars at the box office and... There is the whole Disney brand behind it and Pixar are the same. Yeah. Our movies, DreamWorks movies, they don't make as much money at the box office. They're the lesser, you know, uh, mm. not quality because personally, I think the animation is way better in the DreamWorks movies, but they, they don't make a, they don't make a big, huge success every time we release a movie. And that also humbles you. Yeah, because you've been trying, you try for years and years to give your best and put your best on screen and everything and the audience react to it or not, but you do what you love and that feeling stays movies after movies, movie after movie. And the fact that it's not making a huge amount of money at the box office just keeps you at your place, you know, keeps you humble. You don't take the, your head is not inflating, you don't, you know. And I guess that one of the one of the cool things that that, that sort of um, 
one of the cool things or one of the reasons why it's cool that it takes so many years to make an animation movie, I think, is because um, it seems that you really have to fall in love with the process of animation. Of course, it's, I'm sure, I can't even imagine the feeling of sitting in that screening room watching mm -hmm. a movie, you know, completed. But correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to really love the process, right? You can't think of that Oscar nomination you had. You can't think of the, you know, how much money is this going to make in the box office or what the next movie is. You're really every day working on your craft. Yeah. Right? It's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. But what I do, I do this job because I love to draw. I love to tell stories. I love to, to do all that. And to me, animation brings everything together. You can bring acting, sculpture, drawing, staging, everything in one medium that's animation. And that's part of the whole process of making my shots every single day where you think about all that. And the most rewarding part is remembering the feeling of opening the scene for the first time and it's empty. Nothing's moving. You have the character in there in a standard pose. You hit play and nothing moves. And three weeks later, that character, you hit play and the character moves, act, shares stuff, speaks, thinks for himself, itself. And that that's the most rewarding part. It's beautiful. Where you bring that little piece in the story and that your moment, you know. So you're here creating magic. What about the um, colleagues of yours from, from Octopody? Right? Did they all end up doing interesting things? They're all in the industry still, I think. They are, some of them are directing commercial in London. Some of them are designing characters for movies that you've probably seen from Sony or Disney. Um, they're all over the place. Uh, one That's of amazing. them is working for ILM now, worked for ILM and is at Epic Games now. Uh, but he did some of the most um, re um, amazing scenes in the latest Star Wars movies. Um, that Millennium Falcon chase in the, the graveyard. That He did Sheesh. that. It's insane. Yeah, those people are so really, doing great now. Yeah. You can thank an octopus for everything. For <laughs> real, man. <laughs> Don't eat them. <laughs> Don't eat octopus. Don't eat them. Um, okay, so just like a final two sort of things. I... What, what is sort of the goal for you? You know, you're here, you're young, you're, you're, you're living the dream. Is it, do you just love what you're doing so much that you want to keep doing it? Do you, do you, do you have like another, yeah, well, what's the goal? What's, what's the, do you well, want to direct one day? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Yeah, undoubt, <laughs> undoubtedly. Evidently, I love what I do, but uh, the next step, I would love to direct. I would love to actually, you know, moving a team towards a standard or a goal I did that in Montreal as a head of animation where you bring everyone to the standard you want and you actually teach people and you bring people up or the whole level up and I want to do that as a director I want to actually try to bring a team to tell the story the way the way I want to tell the story the, and and help me do that and that uh, I think would be would be the next step I would love to direct direct um, and you will I'm sure of it animated movies and if uh, and I, w I would need good voices <clears throat> so I mean I'm just saying 
I got a good voice. There you go. Uh, that would probably damage my voice for the next two weeks. I don't know where that came from. It came from like my my, my loins. Thank God we're not recording this. <laughs> the that? loins. I mean, yeah. thank God nobody's seen this. Well, if you need a friendly neighborhood Jewish guy uh, for your movies, <laughs> I'm the guy. Uh, if you could give animators advice, young people that are reaching out to you on Instagram or whatever, like if you have this platform now to give your sort of two cents, what would it be? And on that note, what would you tell your 17-year-old version at animation school from where you are now in your life? Well, I think I would, there was two things I would say to, to aspiring animators is, one is do what you love. Don't do what other people do because they've done that already. So do your thing. And the other thing is work, 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 work all the time, work all the fucking time until you get it, until you know how to do what you want to do. And it's not an obstacle anymore. It's, it's very important that, you know, they say it takes 10,000 hours to master something. And it's not, I think it's true. You need to work. It's not going to be, you know, out of the blue, it, it's not it's not a gift that you get when you're born. You need to work for it. And if you do what you love, then is it work? That's great advice, yeah. But uh, to an advice to my uh, 17-year-old self, I don't know. Honestly, I would not change anything. I, I like everything that happened. Speak to girl more. Girls more. Maybe. <laughs> One girl. Speak I to girl more. Speak girl. Who is she? <laughs> I don't know. Speak to girls more. Yeah, what because you, you you get introverted very quickly when you. <laughs> well, when you're when you're sort of hiding behind um, a big chubby panda for years and years, um, maybe you lose yourself in the in the process. But that's great advice for anyone out there. It's um, there to put yourself out there. Totally right. Yeah, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate, Julia. Not only do I want to thank you for taking the time to speak to me about. Um, about all of this. I, I really hope that people found it interesting as well. It's just, it's a world that I didn't know of. I've always been a fan of animation movies. I'm sure most people, the first movie that they've ever seen was an animation movie, you know, <laughs> probably. Um, probably. And, uh, and I just, I really love everything about this, uh, about this. And, and you're, you're, I'm so proud of you and everything that you've accomplished and everything you are achieving. Um, and on a side note, Without getting into too much detail of it, I have to give you a personal thank you for creating one of the most special gifts I've ever received in my life, if not the most special gift, um, which has um, which has to do with with uh, two very important characters um, that come from animation movies that you that you drew for me. You you basically took two characters from two different movies and created one masterpiece out of it um, for a very personal reason. And I want to thank you for that. I'll never forget that. And it's uh, in a beautiful Baroque golden frame. And, um, and, and I want to thank you for that. So people probably have no fucking clue what I just said. But, uh, but you know and I know. But yes, it was uh, my pleasure, man. Thank Always. you. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. It was very cool. Of course. Oh, shit, I didn't record it. Well... Thank you all, and uh, we'll see you next episode. That was pretty cool.
monkey dance. <laughs>